Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Champion City. The forces of good and evil. Captain Amazing. What a surprise. Are about to collide. Well, we've always been each other's greatest nemesis. Sigh. Nemesis. Nemesis. <laughs> now, with the city's one true hero missing. Captain Amazing is in danger. Kaboom. Who will step forward? You again. Wannabes. To answer the call of justice. Don't mess with the volcano, my man. Because I will go Pompeii on your butt. Oh, golly. Welcome to Rewatchability. It's the podcast where we rewatch old movies and see if they hold up today, right now, in the present. <laughs> That's such a forceful. I'm Robert Larone. With me, as always, is Blaine. And we have a special guest today. JM is not here, so we He's off it. fighting crime somewhere, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and not doing a great job of it. He's Beard Man. Yeah. Beard Man. <laughs> I think that's a superhero name. Sorry, joining us. Joining us is Tom McGee. Hey, everybody. Uh, hey, Tom welcome back, is... man. Thanks. Man. Yeah. Good to be back. Yeah. Tom is a... He's been on here before. What do you do, Tom? I'm a uh, playwright, a director, a uh, communications consultant, occasional writer, um, a, a puppeteer. Yeah. Well, you know, just one of those, those art hats guys. Yeah, yeah, do you yeah, have yeah. puppets in your, in your place? I do, and we had a, we had an exterminator come through once, and uh, he told my wife and I, he's like, uh, you gotta you gotta take your baby out of here, and we're like, baby, he's like, yeah, your baby can't come in here for another like twenty four hours, and we're like, we don't have a baby, and I saw his eyes dart to this room full of puppets and back to us, and he's like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I can't be in here, for yeah, you, know, hours. you guys can stay while I fumigate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, I thought he thought your puppets were babies. Yeah, that's what I thought uh, at first. No, I, I just I like think he was convinced Chucky me. Shit. I mean, yeah, aren't stop they, tying strings around your baby's hands and feet. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I'm pretty sure that's abuse. <laughs> well, you know, they should get jobs and help out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we start, we should thank our patreons. Those are the people who give one, three, five. Really, any amount of money will take it a month, and you get something back. You get the podcast early. You get bonus episodes, including we released last week, Weekend at Bernie's, only for the Patreon. So you have to sign up and become a Patreon and listen to us talk about Weekend at Bernie's, or your life will not be complete. <laughs> How else will you find his gold in the second one? <laughs> but we don't Voodoo, reveal man. that treasure. Voodoo. We got to... <laughs> We gotta leave something for future Patreon episodes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but today we're not here to talk about dead people. We're here to talk about living people with almost extraordinary powers. 
Yeah, like like shy of extraordinary. Attempting to be extraordinary. Like moderately impressive powers, perhaps. Like if you saw them use them. Above average heroes. Yeah. 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 Not super. Yeah. The Mystery Men. Tom, this was your selection. So why did you choose this movie? So Mystery Men is one of those films that just hit me at exactly the right time and exactly the right way. I was just getting, I think, into parody in a big way. It was always a big Weird Al fan. This is so like 1999. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, I loved adventure movies. I loved superheroes in general. But it was the first thing I'd seen that took the piss out of superheroes. And I thought that was really funny. But similar to one of my previous episodes, Austin Powers, in terms of, like, taking right. – a thing where it was a genre I really liked and then giving me that genre. So right. in the same way that Austin Powers was like a spy film that was also a parody of a spy film, yeah. Shaun of the Dead is a zombie film that's also a parody of a zombie film. I felt this was like a fun superhero film that was also a parody of superhero films. But yeah. what, part of the reason I want to talk about today, though, is I read a piece a little while ago about how Mystery Men is actually the best modern parody of superhero films, despite coming out in 99. Yeah, oh. a lot of people are saying it was way before its time. Yeah, and so I, ever since I read that, I was like, yeah, yeah I kind of want to give that a rewatch because in a kind of a post-Zack Snyder world, that, like, ultra-dark... He didn't die, did he? I mean, no, but... I, I think that was said in a hopeful way. <laughs> uh, um... Release the Zack Snyder cut of Mystery Men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the same movie. Do they just turn all the yeah, lights down and everything's hours in long. slow motion? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gene Garofalo's in a bikini for some reason. Uh, but, she um, would never. No, I know. She would kill him first. But yeah, anyway, so I'd been wanting to rewatch it. And uh, yeah, it was super interesting. So I was glad for the, glad for the excuse. Great. Mm-hmm. Blaine, what about you? When was the first time that you saw this movie? I think I might have seen it in theaters. I, I remember liking it a lot. I remember thinking that was this was like a funny movie. I remember hating Ben Stiller. Mm. I think I've always hated Ben Stiller. I think that's <laughs> right. like something that I've always had. That he sort kept of rubs people the... the wrong way. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's just a thing he does. Well, and this is – there's kind of two Ben Stillers, right? There's yeah. you know, rom-com, Ben Stiller, something about Mary. And then yeah. there's this one who's like Zoolander, Dodgeball, right. like the, the sort of like, why can't I talk like this guy version of Ben Stiller? Yeah. And I feel like that one in particular is a real acquired taste. Yeah, there was a moment where he was really mining his smarminess for yeah. the rom-com crowd. But that guy – Died, I think. <laughs> They're all dead. Now he's now he only makes uh, mopey movies with. Uh, oh yeah, what's his face? Uh, Bombach. Noah Bombach. Yeah, Bombach. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm old and uncool now. That's I think what it's called. <laughs> yeah, and I think he he just. He never really was the funniest part of this movie, even though he was the main character. And maybe he was supposed to be like the straight man, but he he obviously wasn't because he right. wasn't written that way. So I feel like he would have been better as a straight man, as someone who like could have been a little. He ah, he tried a little yeah. bit here and there, but but yeah, whenever he got like aggressive, I never found it funny. Okay, I, I think I would have found it funny if like another actor had done it. Is what I'm saying. So, uh, but I liked all the supporting cast, and I I liked the whole send up of the superhero genre too. Yeah. So you love this movie? Hate Ben Stiller? Yeah, when I first saw it. Yeah, for sure. What about and you, now, Rob? When did you first see it? I don't remember. It was it was a movie that I wanted to see for a long time, and it seemed to evade me. Um, well, I think it like wasn't out in theaters that long. Yeah, no, just, it was definitely a blockbuster find for me. This was yeah, I don't yeah. even remember it being in theaters. Yeah, I, it was yeah. I'm sure that I saw bits of it on TMN, and I saw it in full later. Uh, I think I probably sought it out mostly because of uh, Tom Waits. Yep. Because, <laughs> right. you know, once I discovered Tom Waits' music, I had to, like, go through his entire – not his entire filmography because he's done, like, a million movies. But yeah. he has, like, such a great filmography, like fucking, you know, all those Jim Jarmusch films. Yeah, he was in Seven Psychopaths. And uh, I think he – isn't – he has that fucking great monologue in The Fisher King – 
where he plays like the legless veteran. I think that's oh Fisher King. yeah yeah Fisher King. He's so I love good. that movie. That's a great movie. Yeah, so yeah. you know that alone. But also, I just remember so much about this movie being iconic, like Janine Garofalo's skull bowling ball. Like, yeah, that they had to like release after the film because so many people wanted what, it. Like let it go in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a preserve for uh, amazing movie props uh, yeah. where they all go to die. Yeah, exactly, the aliens there. Yeah. They're all they're it's all just saying that. Free. The two twins from The Shining. They just live <laughs> right. there. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Calling uh, them props is so is so mean to those two I little mean, girls. It's Kubrick. Every <laughs> yeah. actor's a prop. Yeah, true. But I also, it was such a you know. At the time, I was really in the age where I loved superheroes. I I read comic books as much as I could afford them, but not you know what wasn't very much. So I mostly stuck to the the main ones. And really, you, movies were like my only outlet for like superheroes, other than cartoons. So had you heard about the comics when you were a comic book reader as a kid? No, I didn't know that there was a comic version until yesterday like i thought this was pure parody me too i had no idea there was like a whole like 30 run comic series that went to like 2007 yeah, yeah. i i remember because because I, I saw i also i was a sprat of comic readers mostly cartoons uh yeah. cartoons for me but um i didn't know there was a comic when i found out i got really excited about it but similar to men in black when i found out there was a men in black comic i like went and tracked some down and they are not good yeah. <laughs> like it's it's really the tone is completely different it's so weird and it really yeah. is one of those things where it's like someone saw a concept and said yeah we're gonna make that movie yeah and then threw the source material out and you know made a movie and similarly with this like i remember oh it's nuts yeah and, and we'll talk about it later but yeah yeah it's... i tracked down like an issue or so and i was like i don't like this at all <laughs> no it's so far from the source material and so many weird characters in it that uh but we'll, we'll get to that yeah, after right. uh, yeah, after yeah. we talk about the movie. Yeah, so I mean, I liked it, but I also I think I sensed it wasn't super good. It just like had some it was disappointing, but it had lots of stuff that I liked. And I found right. like all the characters are really funny. Yeah. And so many great actors like William H Macy is in there. Yeah. Jeffrey Rush, like Hank what is the there. hell is happening? <laughs> I, know. I think this was the first time that I like really recognized William H Macy as like a as like a great actor like <laughs> Uh, what in this movie? He's a man who can play. He like first his face just like he's... invites you to like empathize with him. And when his like wife is telling him, "I don't want you to be a superhero anymore," oh, it's so heartbreaking. He's like, ah, uh, well. He puts oh on my his God. best. Like, I think you need to play William H Macy in a movie. <laughs> that was a good. I saw it for a second. Coming soon to it. Kickstarter. Yeah, really. exactly. Rob is William H. Who's going to be my Felicity Huffman? Yeah. Felicity Huffman. I mean, we we if we we'll make that a stretch goal. She's really good. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing is is again he and all of them do a very good job with Stiller. He kind of that's the type of character he plays in these films. Just is that like well, I'm this guy. So yeah. well, him aside, all of them play it so straight. Yeah, they're yeah. all so committed to just this is the stupid reality we're in. And but yeah, William H Macy plays it like he's doing Death of a Salesman. <laughs> and it's amazing. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and I Paul Rubens is so I shovel out there well. too. I shovel and, very yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, for sure. Yeah, and Paul yeah. Rubens. Uh, that was the first time I remember him being back after right. all the unpleasantness. It was. I yeah. think. Uh, so, do you want to run down the plot? Yeah. So it's about these wannabe superheroes. William H Macy. He's the shoveler. Yeah. There's also Ben Stiller as Mr. Furious and Hank Azaria as Confused Cultural Appropriation Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good name. That's a good name for the Blue Raja. Yeah. Yeah. That guy is not scoring any points uh, right now. On that, no, uh, I don't know. He's like dressed up like Justin Trudeau. It's very weird. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's too much. That's pretty good. It's kind of amazing though that like 
we watched this movie not so long after like the Apu controversy came out, and he's like sort of doing the same thing, but in a different I feel way. Like this film loosely acknowledges that he's ridiculous for doing this and that it's a wildly colonialist definitely because he thing. he like drops the accent at times and people make fun of yeah. him for the accent and so i think you know they're all they don't bring up cultural appropriation they're not like hey man uh, <laughs> 1999 hey, i mean that was just <laughs> right. far for the course yeah yeah they didn't have those words uh so uh yeah. so they didn't call still, him on it but still a bit uncomfortable it is well and particularly moment. after yeah yeah no, though he but, was like the most apologetic about it yeah, Eventually. and I think we might be able to like forgive him. So <laughs> that would be good. Yeah. We can't uh, forgive you for that. <laughs> you blew it. You must. Uh, you blew. I know. Raja did. <laughs> but anyway, so there are these uh, sort of uh, wannabe superheroes. But there is already a superhero who is very successful in this city. Captain Amazing. Not the most creative name, but you know. And it sort of opens with this heist at a seniors. Ball, do, whatever they do. They're very fancy seniors. From the senior centers I've seen, that's that's the height of luxury is what they're in. And Blaine has seen a lot of senior centers. (laughs) I needed places to live, man. Okay? Come on. And they're getting uh, robbed. Artie Lang, things are really rough for him, (laughs) I guess. Uh, It's weird. Yeah, everyone with like red. from seniors. (laughs) Maybe it's another, you know, dirty work thing. I'm not sure. Revenge for hire. Yeah, they all have like red hair for some reason. They're, they're yeah, called the like, red eye gang. Yeah, they have red hair as well. Yeah, I, I, they they really smack of the Schumacher Batman films, where well, it's just this like over the top and wacky. Yeah, I think that that sort of observation has been made, and like this is sort of like playing against yeah, or absolutely. off of all of those you know, excesses. Well, that came out just before this, and they even used some of the sets from that movie oh, in wow. this movie. That so there, there is a lot of overlap, and I think they're making fun of that, and they <laughs> no, should for sure, because yeah. that's it's ridiculous. It's kind of alarming that you could just take the Red Eye Gang and put them into Joel Schumacher Batman, and you'd be like, this is the third weirdest thing I've seen today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. It could be the same universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could sure be the universe. same universe. Did anybody see any nipples on the costume? <laughs> <laughs> no, but no. Does... again, Zack Snyder cut. <laughs> <laughs> but he does have all the – I love that he have all the, the, the badges on his costume from like he's sponsored, sponsored by yeah. so many different – Oh, yeah. Uh, he looks like he's a NASCAR racer yeah. or something like that. And it's that. Uh, Greg Kinnear we should mention. Just yeah. Greg Kinnearing it to the max. Yeah, he's great. He's yeah. very he's Greg very Kinnear. Delightful. Very yeah. spermy. But yeah, the – Mystery men, that's not what they're called yet, but since we don't know what they're called, we can just call them mystery men. Okay. They try really hard to, you know, to fight the bad guys, save the day. But they fuck it up. They sort of fuck it up. And it's mostly because Ben Stiller, he he can't quite hulk out. He's like, he gets really irritated. He's mildly annoyed man for a lot of this. Yeah. And the shoveler always like hits his partner and the blue Rajah gets people like his own people in the butt. Oh, yeah, that's true. He he throws the wrong cutlery. He throws a spoon. He's a cutlery thrower, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he always puns on it as he throws a cutlery. Yeah. Yeah. They they really play on the like you have to have like a line, you know, while you like make your action. Yeah. And Ben Stiller's lines are like. Ah, yeah, they're not great. <laughs> they're, like, intentionally absurd. Intentionally duds, which is great. Like, what's one of... I can't remember. Yeah. But anyway, so Captain Amazing comes and basically saves their asses, and they're sort of left nursing their wounds, and... Uh, mm-hmm. It's a good home to be in to do that. And <laughs> and they go up to Captain Amazing to, like, meet him as fellow superheroes, and he's like, nah. Tears. Yeah, but he, he doesn't respect them. Yeah. Because they're not respectable. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like if we met Mark Maron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, uh, Wait, you Mark, big fans of your movies? work. Yeah, you know, we, we just interviewed the uh, the Red Eye Gang on our show. <laughs> right, yeah. I don't know uh, who you are. Oh, like everyone you has interviewed a Obama? Did oh, we have yeah. a beef? Did I do something to you? <laughs> <laughs> Was it in the 80s? Come on, I'm kids. Look, man, I've, I've changed a lot. <laughs> but uh, they're, so they're really trying hard, but they're at every turn they seem to just be sort of foiled mm-hmm. and you know not just by the bad guys who they're trying to foil they're also their home life sort of sucks like the shoveler's wife doesn't really believe in a superhero thing she wants him to come home and spend time with the family and he, he's spending all of his time shoveling <laughs> yeah i mean that's a fair request though william h macy like just go home and spend some time with your kids well it is i mean he's totally putting the city yeah. Before, I mean, hypothetically, that's his argument is he has to, you know, be out there and do this thing. Well, actually, that's not even it at all. It's all about like him. He's like, well, I'm good at one thing, shoveling, and <laughs> right. I'm a good to shovel. Yeah, yeah, I believe is the exact day. quote. Butch needs his vest back. He's got a game on Saturday. Well, it's my vest, too. I bought it for him. The only thing I need. Okay. How long are you going to do this, Eddie? It's been 12 years. I know. You got a family to look after, Eddie. The kids are worried sick about you. But still, you go out night after night, running around the city for what? Lucille, God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. Oh, baby. You shovel better than any man I've ever known. But that does not make you a superhero. I understand his like motivation a little bit when his like young son comes up to him and he's like, "I believe in you, Daddy." So he's like, you know, he wants to he wants to be the hero for his kid, like uh, like Bruce Willis in Unbreakable. You know, he wants to like be that hero well, for his kid. And there's some suggestion too that there's kind of been a golden age of superheroics that we've missed. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, like there's Captain Amazing shirts, like William H Macy's kid has. It's weird. I can only say his full name. Anyway, yeah. William H. Macy's uh, kid has, like, a Captain Amazing shirt, but he doesn't have all the, the fucking corporate branding shit on it. Yeah. And, like, when they list off all the villains that Captain Amazing's defeated, it sounds like there was a real, yeah. like, we're we're almost dealing in a, like, a post, it's almost like a Watchmen, yeah, exactly. like, post-superhero thing. So yeah. you kind of have to believe that at one point, yeah, the city was really rough and, like, yeah, we need heroes and everyone's got to do their part. But now it's just, like, Batman legitimately killed or jailed everyone, so. Yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah. this. It's kind of a fun movie because it's a pastiche of like all these like different movies. Like it has some of that Watchmen in there because it's the post superhero thing, mm-hmm. and he has to like break a bad guy out of jail to just capture him again so he can like get his Pepsi sponsorship yeah. back. Yeah. How often like, is that used as like a trope? Like yeah, where the I don't superhero know. just like needs to go, needs to create some crime so he, he can becomes solve his it. own like antihero. Well, it's funny because people talk about that with Batman all the time, where they're like, "Oh, Batman can't exist without right. his villains, yeah. but his villains can't exist without Batman." It's a great arc where Batman's dead and the Joker becomes completely sane. Right. And then when Batman comes back, he just immediately loses his mind and starts killing again. But well, that would be fucking, that would drive me crazy, too, if I saw somebody who was dead. Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah. Maybe come that's what set him life. off in the first place. <laughs> yeah, you just saw too many ghosts. Yeah. But um, a superhero fun. should use his, like, uh, other other identity to be a villain and then just fight himself, you know? And that would be, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, and I like that this film business. just yeah. took it one step further and A was like, yeah, these villains are constantly breaking out of jail, which is ridiculous. So they're all, like... They yeah. gave a guy the chair. They, you know, oh, yeah. like there's just a bunch of like, oh no! If you legitimately dealt with all of your villains, you would like run out a of biblical villains. Universe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. It's almost like the scene 
in Canadian Bacon with Alan Alda where they're like, Who, what bad guys do we have left? The Russians? Yeah, right. <laughs> he sort of Canadian Bacons them. Yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. But yeah, he's all concerned. Captain Amazing is concerned because he finds out that he's lost his Pepsi endorsement. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, he's got to like stir up some excitement. So he decides to intervene on the parole hearing of Jeffrey Rush. I mean, I say parole hearing because I don't think they have those at mental institutions. And I'm pretty sure that they don't have a big stamp that says cured. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's the comedy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, steps towards <laughs> Doug Ford's new health care in Toronto. I mean, like, that's what we're looking at. So. He's fine. <laughs> Let him out. <laughs> So he does, he like kind of reads off, uh, he looks at his grocery list and then like improvs a, yeah. a big speech. Using his alter ego, ident- yeah. his alter ego, yeah. And it's like playing off the same sort of Superman thing where he has glasses. Now, there's even a great thing where they're at the diner, the superheroes are at the diner, yeah. and one guy thinks that they're the same person and William H. Macy's like, I don't see it. Yeah. He wears glasses. Yeah, and that's Ben Stiller trying to be like the straight man of the comedy and being like, guys, he just takes off his glasses. And they're like, then how would he see? And <laughs> it's, they're working off so him good. is so good, but him working off them just kind of falls flat. Okay, okay. I'm going to kind of disagree with you. Okay. I think that Ben Stiller does what he's doing pretty okay. And, like, he sort of cultivated this sort of type that is, like, the sort of persnickety, irritated, gets right. sort of pushed around a lot, can't stand up for himself guy. And I think it sort of works for him in a way. On the other hand, like, whenever he tries to demonstrate his superpowers, I, I find instead of being funny that he can't sort of like rise to you know the level of anger usually it just sort of like deflates the scene it really slows it down too like the pace of everything but i sort of like it intellectually right yeah i think if if it wasn't self-aware it would be insufferable yeah the impotent rage piece and i would say like impotent rage even in things like this like you know guys we've got to get advertising and like just the the runner seems happily that Stiller is aware that his character is foolish. So there's all this like weird machismo bullshit that's going on that I would be worried in the hands of another actor would be like, no, no, he is this cool. Right. And I think Stiller's aware, like, no, this guy is not. He's not yeah. cool. He's, you know, uh, because, yeah, I'd agree. I, I find in general, I would say the entire film could be benefited so much by just cutting half an hour. Yeah. And then suddenly all of this goes away. It's like oh, the, the pace doesn't matter anymore. Like All these things would be fixed. Yeah, yeah. But. That's it a, does go call. on for an extra half hour. <laughs> so suddenly all those flaws get magnified. Yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, so there. Casanova Frankenstein, like immediately after he is let go, blows up the insane asylum. And then Captain Awesome comes and he immediately gets captured. And it's a sort of funny scene. And, you know, I we get to see Jeffrey Rush do his things. This is an Oscar winning actor. This is like Jeffrey Rush Unleashed. It's just yes. like, he's like, one day I'll play the Marquis de Sade, but in the meantime, let me give you this. Yeah, with like those weird Marilyn Manson fingers. Yep. The mystery is how they got these actors to do this off the script, I feel like. It, I mean, it looks like a fun script. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, this was a sort of, I think one thing to think about is that like when this movie came out, superheroes were sort of like on the rise, like before Batman before Joel Schumacher sort of ruined it again, like the two Batman movies made a lot of money, you know, it seemed like there were a lot of other sort of properties that were coming out. So it seemed like it was a fertile ground. Yeah, that Superman movie with Nick Cage was like about to get made. Yeah. Well, and Men in Black just came out and was based on a Marvel comic. So my right. guess is that That's right. for a lot of people, just the, the prospect of like Batman's still hot right now. People still like Batman. Yeah. Look, this Men in Black movie just hit hard. Like we'll- Let's do some comics. Do, yeah. 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 And yeah. we're comedy people, so we'll do a comedy- Yeah. 
Yeah, really? and we did talk about Men in Black last week. Yeah. It's a bit of a coincidence. <laughs> There's a few coincidences between these two movies. Definitely. But I think that's okay. I think it's really interesting that there are so many movies, because now we live in a, in a world where like every movie is a Marvel comic or a DC comic. <laughs> yeah. But it's sort of amazing to think of like all the movies that we forget are based on comics. Because I forgot that Men in Black was based on a comic. Yeah, me too. I forget that The Mask is based off a comic. I forget Howard that this Duck. is based off a comic. Well, uh, like um, Road to Perdition was a graphic novel. Oh, yeah. And like Ghost oh, World. Just all these. You yeah. go down the rabbit hole and it's there's a ton that are. Mm-hmm. This era of like when cinema sort of discovered comics and like when comics was still like you know, doing, like, lots of indie stuff and sort of bringing it around. That was, like, a really beautiful sort of era of, uh, you know... It feels like a more innocent era of comic book movies because now they all have to be, like, so huge. Well, they're just using them as source material, not so much as, like... There's something about, like, the sort of feeding back of the franchise. It's like giving people more of what they want mm-hmm. rather than like doing something new with the things that are already around. Well, and yeah. it's interesting because that can also go, and we've seen it go horribly awry where someone takes the source material and just kind of goes, oh, we'll just riff on it and it goes to hell. What's interesting is I'd argue that video game movies are the current version of that where every video game movie is like someone says, oh, the Lara Croft character. All right, I think I get that. Oh, she she uses a bow and arrow. Well, I know how to make this movie. And then you're watching, you're like, this is not good. But it's it's that same thing where weirdly, whereas you're right with Marvel films now, it's like, okay, here's Spider Man and three villains we like. Here's a movie with Spider Man and those three villains. It used to be like, here's this Mystery Men comic. I kind of like the name and the general conceit. Let's get yeah. Ben Stiller, <laughs> William H Macy, Hank Azaria, yeah, well, Janine Garofalo, and make a different thing. And it, and it has so many surprising moments in the movie. I mean, they do kind of form this team and go in and try to save. Mm-hmm. The guy. Yeah. W- once they discover that Captain Amazing, mm-hmm. he's okay. He's not great, <laughs> apparently. But once they discover that he's missing, they are going to go and fight him. But they always get their ass kicked. So they realize that they've got to expand the team. Yeah. The first guy they meet is uh, they get their ass Disco kicked Boy. by uh, they get their ass kicked by Eddie Izzard. Yep, the Disco yeah. Boys. <laughs> yeah, Disco isn't dead. Yeah, I love, he's so funny. So what's the name of this team? How about the Super Squad? How about the six dead guys in their stupid costume? No, 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 no. The magnificent dead guys. How about that? What about the legendary Super Freaks? Way too positive. They totaled our car. I kind of can't believe he signed on for that. <laughs> I know. Usually it's has better weird. taste. Yeah. But yeah, they, they sign on Invisible Boy. Yeah. And he sort of like gives them like a lot of uh, knowledge of superheroes because he's like yeah. represents the fanboy, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. And his power is like he can be invisible as long as no one's looking at him. And even if he looks at himself, he's no longer invisible. And I, I loved that. Yeah. Because even when I first saw this movie, I was like, how are they going to pull that power off? Like, that seems like well, a no- nothing power. And it was details like that that really hooked me, I think, as, as a kid was just like, you know, after all those arguments you get into with your friends, uh, particularly as like an X-Men fan being like, oh, yeah, like, what would your power be? Like, what power do you want yeah. to then have these absurd backbench powers that are garbage but also kind of fun? It, like, yeah. That just really hit a good spot in me where I was like, oh, yeah, that is a fun way to subvert this trope of, like, Superman where he literally can do every power. It's like, oh, right, here's a guy who's only invisible when no one's looking. I'm like, good. Yes. Yeah. Show me that. <laughs> yeah. More. Yeah, yeah. I like some of the superhero names that he sort of runs through. My favorite <laughs> superheroes that he suggests are White Flight and Black Menace, but they always work together. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty funny. But so they have these auditions, and they see a whole bunch of people. There's a whole bunch of cameos in this. for some reason? Yeah. Uh, As the Waffler. As the Waffler, yeah. Yeah. My Waffle of Justice. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. We also uh, there's Doug Jones as Pencil Neck. I didn't realize that was Doug Jones. Yeah. Of course it was. Mm-hmm. Well, because the well maybe because isn't he in Monster Squad? I don't know. Anyway, the writer of this wrote Monster Squad. Oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. And also Pluto Nash. Oh, boy. And then nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, this, I feel like this one balances on that apex of. It's it's like it's weird and there's so much, it's so over designed and and so bizarre, but still good. Whereas Pluto Nash is just this two inches to the right, you know? Yeah. And sort of on that point, (laughs) the director of this movie never made another movie. And like. Basically, swore to never make another movie. He hated on it so set. much. Yeah. What? Yeah. Wow. He told Hank Azaria, he was like, he's like, I, when I'm done with this, I'm done. I'm going to go wow. back to like making my one minute little small films for commercials. Yeah, and yeah. of course, his major works include Pepsi. Yeah. And uh, Got Milk. Yeah, the Got Milk campaign. Those classic pieces of cinema. Well, yeah, I mean, Michael Bay started on Got Milk, so you know, don't knock right. until you try. Right, it. right, and of course, he is a cameo in this film. What? Yeah, yeah, blow your mind. He's one of the frat boys at the end. Oh, that makes the most sense. <laughs> that... He's the one who says, "Can we bring our brewskis?" Oh God, because he and the director were friends. Oh God, from commercials. Damn. Oh, yeah, oh. <laughs> but Makes I you like this movie a little less. <laughs> well, I mean, I was just confused because they didn't sweep low with a telephoto. So how am I supposed to tell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of understand the director after doing this. Like he's he's doing this big Hollywood movie with like a huge cast, and mm. people are fighting on set the entire time. Like uh, like Ben Stiller was threatening to quit every day and stuff like that. Right. So, like, he was just like, this sucks. Like, all I want to do is, like, photograph a dog in a, in a like, a Bridgestone tire. You know, like, that's, <laughs> that's what I want to do, which is one of his good commercials. Yeah. And so, like, he, I, I totally understand that from him. Wow. And he, he shot this like a Joel Schumacher. Yeah. He, like, made fun of that style of directing, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, and there was, like, a lot of, like, directing jokes in this, mm-hmm. like, when they go really close up for no reason on people. Yeah. Like, there, was a, there was some fun stuff there that I thought he did. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of like it's unfortunate that he didn't do anything else because I think he could have proven himself on another property. Well, I mean, this movie is kind of amazing. Like, and just that it has so many stars, not even stars, just like really great and interesting actors and comedians in it. And also, like, the it's layered with jokes. There's mm-hmm. like things that you notice, like the Hulk jumping sound effect. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, well, like, it's the very The production rich. design is insane. Like, the, the opening shot of the city, I was like, this is basically blade you're doing blade runner like yeah. you're doing like a obviously a riff on like the schumacher yeah crazy gotham but still watching it, i was like i this looks like a blade runner movie and there's all these weird touches about like um if you look at what the language of everything is uh yeah. even just like reporters um, having like different languages on their microphones and there's just this really weird cross-cultural idea of like what the world has become that's really quite clever and interesting that just is never referenced and it's just there. Yeah. yeah. And you just don't fucking see that it very often. Like usually it's like, oh, we're doing this dumb comedy movie, everything is as normal as it can be because And that world is not in the comics. So it feels like like what they did with this movie is create a world from scratch almost, which mm. is which is kind of fun. And it is like a world that exists in other comic book movies. I like I hear yeah, that. But it uh, references other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like the kind of like quilt pattern of this movie. Yeah, yeah. A mosaic, if you will. Yes. Mm, yes. Mm. And we'll be back to examine more of that mosaic. After this break. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to Rewatchability. We're here with Tom McGee. Hey, hey. And we're talking about Mystery Men. Second week in a row with uh, a movie with the word men in the title. Yeah. We're going to have to do two girl movies in a row. (laughs) <laughs> right after this yeah what women want <laughs> right that's a, no that's a girl movie no. right uh, yeah that's uh, a short podcast just not this <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly Done. I'd like to thank our patreon we we, we, yeah, we answered it <laughs> so we're talking about mystery men we're sort of at the part where they recruited a bunch of new people we got janine garofalo uh <laughs> yeah garofalo it's a tough name yeah, man, I she is so great, and She's this very was funny like in this movie. This was like the sort of point where in her career where she was like really sort of like coming up because she mm. had like good cameos in like the Cable Guy, and she was in mm. like uh, the Larry Sanders Show and all that. But like you know, this really brought her like Reality a whole bites. bunch of visibility, mm-hmm. and you know, she was I don't know, she was great. Yeah, I mean, she really like gave it without too much eye rolling. For uh, sure. Yeah. Well, sort of and difficult for her. <laughs> difficult for her and also difficult for that character that she played because her character was so sarcastic. I yeah. guess they were like playing on what she does. But yeah, I, I think she played it really, really well. And all her ad like most of her lines were ad libbed, you know, like the, the last line she has in the movie was ad libbed. So I, oh, I think the, she did... the thing about supporting independent cinema. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought Surprise. was very funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Well, like, and it, go think... see one of my other movies. And I, I think <laughs> yeah. it helps that she and Stiller are such good friends because that relationship starts so antagonistic on screen mm-hmm. but then settles and that's I don't know it's just such a relief in so many films I watch now it's like oh we're setting up that these two are antagonistic towards each other that's it for the film and at the end they'll be like we're good now didn't they nice. date? I think so they put out that book they put out like, yeah they put out a book. book I you... talked about this on a podcast once <laughs> your face is so disturbed didn't they date? well I just I just remember <laughs> I mean it's kind of like like they would be like the perfect couple but also like, not yeah, it's like like and like. I don't no. know. Yeah. Too much. Too, it, they'd argue There's no William day. H. Macy and Felicity Huffman, I'll tell you that. Are they dating? I don't know. I, I mean, if not, uh, They're here's married. hoping. We're like making something Fingers up here. Cr- oh, I mean, headcanon. Uh, <laughs> uh, so they need to like, okay, so this is about around the part where they go see the Sphinx. That's, uh, the Sphinx kind of saves our life because they go to uh, to mess up. Oh, what's his name? He has his greatest Casanova name. Casanova Frankenstein? Yeah, there we go. It sounds like it's either a supervillain or a glam band from the 70s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be both? Well, he's dressed as a glam band from the 70s. <laughs> yeah, it's so. true. So, yeah, they, like, attack his car, and then he sends the, the disco boys to go kill them. Right. And, uh, and the Sphinx saves their lives. But the Sphinx talks in, like, riddles all the time. Yeah, he's terribly mysterious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or mysteriously terrible. One yeah, yeah, one of those things. Yeah, yeah where, like, everything he says is the exact opposite of the thing he sets it up with yeah you cannot go down unless you first go up to go down like it's (laughs) yeah it's like a it's like a scheme or a trope or something yeah anyway it's pretty good though yeah it's funny and and they call it out with ben stiller finishing one of his thoughts yeah is that what you're gonna say yeah "Uh, no (laughs) yeah not necessarily yeah yeah it's sort of clever i mean how he he's both like bitter and being really pissy but also he's kind of right about everything (laughs) yeah 
Well, and he, he fits the, you know, the, the old kung fu master trope of just, you know, here's the person who kind of knows their shit-ish so that we can jump the characters ahead several yeah. – like let's level them up real quick so we don't need to – Yeah. And that's yeah. Uh, Wes Studi who's in like Dances with Wolves and uh, Last of the Mohicans. Oh, really? And also he plays Sagat in Street Fighter. Mm. <laughs> Well, I mean, you should have led with that. <laughs> his most demanding role yet. Yeah. Yeah. His one uh, line that I liked the most was because uh, he's going through all the heroes, like helping them shoot forks better and helping them shovel better. And he tells William H. Macy, like, you don't only have a shovel. You have, like, your arms and legs and stuff. And then he goes to Ben Stiller, and Ben Stiller is, like, balancing a hammer on his head. And he's like, why am I doing this? And he's like, when you can balance attack hammer on your head, you can have a balanced attack. And I was like, that's so <laughs> stupid. And it made me laugh so much. Uh, it's just it's really strained but perfect. But yeah. it's so, yeah, it's it, it's like pushing that that uh, why that do trope, I have so. watermelon on my feet yeah it's, oh, it's so weird um, did I tell you to do that <laughs> uh, while all star plays in the background the dulcet oh. tones of smash mouth oh, right God. well I mean the director of this movie on his twitter bio says that I am the person who made the movie that made all star by smash mouth famous yeah suck it shrek <laughs> well, this yeah, this was definitely before Shrek. Yeah, yeah it was. Oh, it was. man. And also the video for All-Star, of course, featured scenes from Mystery Men. Yeah. Why, and, pay, why pay for a video? <laughs> <laughs> Screw that. Well, it's and the 90s. also it was directed by another film director who would come up in the late 90s. Whoever directs anything can direct a movie. McGee. Oh, really? Did McGee do All-Star? He sure oh, did. Oh, boy. <laughs> that... Uh... <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. I was, uh, uh, my last name is McGee, and I actually once got a text meant for McGee. And what? it was very impressive. What? Yeah, a friend of mine was on set with him, and they were, she was like, hey, uh, McGee, I heard you're in town. I'm like, no one's ever used that nickname for me before. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah. No. Wait, are you trying to actually text director McGee? And she's like, yes, I hope you're well. <laughs> that was it. Oh, that's so, so weird. blame Charlie's Angels 2 on Was me. it Cameron Diaz? <laughs> yeah, I just won't return her calls at this point. Well, wow, that Something was a huge about mistake. Mary. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so Ben Stiller kind of like hates being the guy that got ousted from the group, so he leaves the group. Yeah, he, and... he doesn't like his like you know he wants to be like the leader. Yeah, and so he goes and somehow talks to Claire Forlani, and they go on a date <laughs> oh, somehow. Yeah, because really... the '90s that was yeah. that's how the '90s worked for for her. Yeah, he... every film she was in. <laughs> oh God. Well, yeah, that's sort of like shoveled in romantic comedy subplot but and she's like why don't you yeah well he makes macy him. did it it's awful yeah it's it's because like he he goes <laughs> he's a shoveler that's what i was trying to get <laughs> thank you uh, really i have to explain the joke Attack uh, hammer but yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah he because when he goes and he's like hey i'm sorry for like being mean to you tonight and she's like i don't even know who you are i don't remember that <laughs> it's funny but then when he goes back again they seem to already have this like <laughs> relationship going and I'm like well this doesn't fit what happened in the movie at all yeah yeah uh, it's like it's like the 90s thing of like hey i'm a guy and you're a girl and we need so, to like do something for this movie i like the way you think <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna need a damsel in distress in like 20 minutes so i'm oh, just gonna need you to date me right now <laughs> yeah i thought she was gonna be some sort of like superhero oh, and, like, the, in the back of my mind i kind of remember that girl from... superheroes <laughs> Yeah, DC. No, what ball Thank does she you. throw? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my god, yeah. Don't want to make this the Ghostbusters or anything. Jesus. Oh, when there, there's that part where they're auditioning and there's the Wonder Woman and then the other Wonder Woman with red hair comes up and they yeah. there there was like that and like there, yeah. there there's that and maybe three other scenes where it's like this is just the most nineties I'm like, yeah, the film holds Oh no, no. just stop that. <laughs> stop that right now. Okay, we're back. All right, we're good. Oh no, no, gonna need you to stop that too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, they decided they need some weapons, so they have to go find Tom Waits. Yeah. Who is uh this weapons guy who gives them like a card at the beginning of the film and where do you go to find Tom Waits but a spooky abandoned carnival which I'm pretty sure is just where he lives I mean it's just like I'll do this movie but I'm not leaving my house yeah you have to come to my home (laughs) you can also catch a Tom Waits by just putting down a mini spooky abandoned carnival somewhere (laughs) waiting four hours he'll show up I got that from Tom Waits Go Uh, I've caught several (laughs) he'll show up with a pump organ (laughs) his little hat just scream at you in a gravelly voice he like gives, he's like basically their cue. He gives them a whole bunch of like non-lethal weapons. No, I not their that. like Star Trek cue. Their yeah, no, James no. Bond cue. The James Bond cue. Yeah, I I loved that when they go and they're like, oh, of course you do non-lethal weapons. Like not only we're the ragtag group, but we can't even kill people. I loved that. I loved yeah. that like hitch in their plan. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, he like gives them like a bunch of crazy stuff. Yeah, like an argument is. gun. Blamethrower. A, a blame. The blamethrower is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. It's got a shrink ray that only shrinks clothes and canned tornadoes, which they oh. never use. As soon as they brought the shrink ray, I was like, oh, right, that scene. Yep. Like, yeah, it's going to go full 90s. <laughs> yeah, just full 90s. In a second. Yep. Yeah. So then they kind of uh, launched their assault on the Casanova von Frankenstein. Uh, yeah. We should point out that they've accidentally killed Captain Amazing at this point in their first rescue attempt. Uh, yeah. So he's just out of well, the picture. And that's, that's one of the, my, that part's pretty good. That's one of my favorite parts of oh, this movie yeah. is because you think that they're going to rescue this guy and then he's going to like help them become a team or whatever. They just kill him and it's all their own fault. Like they, I never man. thought they were going to rescue him. Oh, yeah. He's right. like, he's t- way too arrogant. What's next? I just told you, flip the second toggle. Again? What do you mean? Flip the toggle twice? No, 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 no. No, don't do not do that. Just flip it again. Now, one time. Flip it. Does he understand what I'm asking? Hold on a second. Captain, exactly how many toggle flips in Toto are involved in this entire procedure? I just... It's... Seven! Seven? Flip it! You know. And by that point, he's also basically said... Like, let me go and I'll be your sidekick. Like, I don't care about this fucking town. We'll yeah. burn it to the ground together. Like, it's yeah. a great, but it's a great twist and it's a fun twist. And we already dislike him, so we're not bummed about it. But yeah, yeah exactly. they just. But it's also terrifying. Oh, like, the, yeah. The effects on that are like. The body horror oh in this God. movie is pretty fucking intense. Yeah, it comes out of nowhere. Ask, did they consult David Cronenberg <laughs> or something? Uh, Cronenberg did. It's like yeah, Cronenberg like, also did those Got Milk hats. <laughs> <laughs> they just never were able to air any of them. Yeah. It's like there's a person with like a giant nipple on their <laughs> belly and it just starts like pussing out milk <laughs> right. and they transform into a cow. Yeah. The like, Dairy Farmers Association. Pops yeah. Up on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know if this is going to work. Got Dave. milk? I did. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. It's weird though that like doesn't he have like a bronze statue of Captain Amazing being transformed? It's just in a it's thing? just a body horror statue. It's not specifically Captain oh, just Amazing. Like I, David I think yard sale. Well, exactly, cuz I think they make the argument that he's like I want the world to look like how I imagine the world looks. Oh. So I think that's our our visual cue of like this is how he sees It's terrifying. The world. Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, pretty rough. Yeah. And when it starts warping the city, it's like yeah, pretty yeah. fucking gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yeah, seems messed weird. up. Pretty messed up for a guy named Casanova Frankenstein. You think he'd be nice, charming at least. We know that Frankenstein's just a family name. They're a good people, you know. Yeah, it's Frankenstein. Other than that one bad example. <laughs> and that monster he made. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I guess like the end sort of thing is that Janine Garofalo like throws the bowling ball down the thing. That well, is her dad. Her dad's uh, disembodied soul lives skull, in the yeah. skull. Yeah. yeah. And, it's inside uh, the... And the movie ends. Yeah, yeah, they kind of save the day, and then they ask, you know, what, what's your name? And they, they're like, oh, I have the name. And then it's, the Supreme. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. And what's crazy is the the new Fantastic Four film ends on that same joke. Oh, <laughs> God. It's just like, guys, please. Oh, Mystery really? Men, like, was a parody of that before you did it. Well, and like, that's what's why? so fucking weird about this movie. There's so much stuff in this, including the... Because I don't think any superhero films had dealt with the death beam to the sky yet, because that wasn't really a trope. Yet, like it wasn't a trope in the yeah. the old Batman films, but it certainly is now. Of just so many this, death beams, yeah. Like supervillain creates a thing that shoots a magical, usually blue death beam into the sky, Gotta and then we blue. have to stop it. And weirdly, that's how this film ends. Like, there's a lot of really prescient yeah. stuff where they're like, "What's the most bullshit thing someone could do?" Uh, this thing, and <laughs> yeah. then someone later is like, "That's good. That's good. I'm gonna yeah. use that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's use that from a parody. It's like a, it's like if The Wire was like, I love that naked gun. Let's use a lot of that stuff. Yeah, we'll just start with them driving in a car with like various weird shit on top of it. Like, yeah. I would watch a naked gun parody of The Wire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Angie Tribeca is out there. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think of like the characters of this movie? Because, I mean, so much of the superhero movies that we have now are sort of like giving us the characters that we all sort of know and love already. And that's like part of the enjoyment of of seeing them on the screen. But here they have to like give us these new characters. And they're supposed to be sort of ridiculous. So sometimes it seems like they don't work. Sometimes it's like funny, like when William H. Macy, when William H. Macy's wife tells him that his son needs his, 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 umpires, his umpires, umpires thing for yeah. his Thursday baseball. I think and he's like, that's in two days. William H. <laughs> Macy's back. whole character, it's the, ours. Way, the way he plays him, all his plot points. I just love that character so much in this film. Like even when like the, the Sphinx is like, you have other abilities, not just your shovel. Like he loses his shovel in the climactic scene and the guy's about to hit him and he brings up a small spade to blow it. And I just love that, that he didn't take the advice from the Sphinx to like use his fist. He's like, I have other shovels. You're right. Well, he, I, It's so funny gives, to me. He gives his St. Crispin's Day speech to like rally the troops all yeah. aimed around an egg salad sandwich where he's like, <laughs> the calories in this are bad for my health. Yeah. But if we're all going to die, then I'm just going to eat this sandwich. Yes. But if, and it's crazy because it just is, you know, that Independence Day speech. Just but about a shitty sandwich. And oh, yeah. Just, uh, well, I mean, this movie definitely recognizes, like, the beats of the superhero film and, like, the blockbuster film. And, like, it does play them mostly as satire or for laughs or as parody. But it does also – it sometimes can't seem to decide whether it's joking or whether it wants to be taken seriously because – Yeah. You I know mean- – I, I hear you. I think, like, there are some actors that really want to be taken seriously doing this, which is kind of like— You're talking about Ben Stiller no, again. No, I'm, I'm also Let talking about go. Hank Azaria because he treats— Are you going to have a problem at our Cable Guy podcast because he ghost wrote that? Oh, God. Yeah. I'm going to have a very a big problem. But you should come out and see it August 29th <laughs> at 7 p.m. at the Royal. But, yeah, I, I, I think that, like, there is some seriousness in here because uh, they try to give them a little bit of arcs. But I think even that's a bit of a send-up of, like, some superhero movies trying to give these outlandish characters some semblance of reality. Yeah. Because, like, this was before we have Christopher Nolan, like, giving superhero yep. movies a seriousness, a, like a serious tone to them. So For well, sure. And, I mean— 
it's interesting because we kind of had a prototype for kind of the like the original Superman is pretty much the perfect superhero film in terms of here's this character, here's the things you know about him. We're still going to give him interesting things to go through. The cast is great, the score is great, like the whole mm-hmm. thing, top to bottom, is fantastic. And then they kind of forgot how to do that for a while, and then you had like <laughs> Tim Burton Batman, yeah, which was another which was like amazing, yeah. and then. Batman Returns starts being like, oh, you're starting to lean pretty hard into the Burton. And then we're just straight into Schumacher, Town, <laughs> oh, USA. Yeah. And then it starts up again. We've got kind of the Blade movies that live around there. But then suddenly we've got X-Men, like 2001's X-Men yeah. and Spider-Man, I guess, in 2000. And that's basically, boom, here's the new prototype. Yeah. Go from there. But I think to your point about the characters, what I find weird is now almost all, with the exception of weirdly Infinity War, which is like you have all these characters now, so they're just going to do things. But most of the superhero films that are coming out now have to kind of re-justify the character. Like, the X-Men films have spent the last five films trying to justify how we get the five X-Men characters we actually give a shit about back into an X-Men movie. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, uh, uh, fucking, uh, they're, they're kids now, but don't worry, we'll get, we'll get... And I'm like, no, it's just... <laughs> just give me a movie. It would be nice. I don't need you to jump through these hoops. Or... They can all just be hanging out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. what I really dig about this film is despite the fact that some of their conversations seem to be conversations they should have had. Like, this can't be the first time they said, hey, Hank Azaria, can you throw a knife? Right. Yeah, um, yeah. But generally speaking, like, I care about these people. I know who they are. I know what their shtick is. And it's fun watching them get into situations with their shtick. Like, mm-hmm. Mr. Furious is useless. He's going to get furious and be useless. Mm-hmm. Hank Azaria is going to, like, try and pun and be bad at it. William H. Macy is going to be really – like, well, and, and then all their characters, <clears throat> because all they do is argue, and the blame gun is kind of, like, a forefront of that issue mm-hmm. in their relationship. And then when they start working together, like, the Blue Raja throws – forks for Mr. Furious to climb the wall yeah. or the shoveler puts his helmet and, and shovel down to kick Mr. Furious up onto the top of the limo and that's like then that's the prototype for the Avengers right there Absolutely. right? Yeah. And so. that's what honestly like I hadn't it's been so long since I've seen a bunch of heroes working in tandem that when I saw I just saw The Incredibles 2 and honestly it's one of the best X-Men movies I've ever seen because like oh, they just no. they've got a bunch of again random superheroes with random powers similar to things we've seen mm-hmm. and it's just a joy to watch them work in tandem and then against each other and in tandem and yeah. I feel like with this film we get that and I don't need I don't need 50 years of comic history to appreciate yeah. this earnest guy who's trying to do right by his family or an origin and shovel. story yeah, yeah. Um, we don't need to know how the shoveler learned <laughs> that he can shovel well there's a tie-in novel I'm sure <laughs> the the origin story of this is really weird because the comics mm. to get to the comics is is based on the comic called Flaming Carrot right and the Flaming Carrot really yeah is a, uh. is a guy with a giant carrot for a head and it goes down to the carrot goes down to his yeah, crotch yeah it's not and, a homophobic remark <laughs> no, no, because his carrot top is on fire. Yeah, literally. Yeah, but you don't know because it's from the eighties, <laughs> and so you gotta wonder. Uh, and then, but it's the whole comic is is really weird. The first comic he fights Santas with AK forty sevens that they're being supplied by. Oh God, I don't even want to say it. There's a, a super villainess uh, who's called the Red Dyke that's from Russia. And she's just like a powerful woman that ne- therefore has to be the villain. It's Ooh. it's really bad. And then like there is a comic in the '90s that is the PC issue of Carrot Top, uh, whatever Flaming Carrot. And uh, he's like, Mister Carrot goes PC, and it's just him. And what I discovered by clicking through all the comics was just him in his harem. He has like a bunch of girls that he just sleeps with that all love him. What? And it's just him trying to treat them right, but then being misogynistic, like in the back end. Super weird. And it's, I didn't see, I clicked through so many comics, I didn't see the shoveler 
or the anger guy. I think it's all just just uh, <laughs> it's the flaming carrot. Yeah, it's all just the flaming carrot, just wow. kind of hanging out. He doesn't really. Well, that's weird because I knew that I knew of that character, but I didn't yeah. realize he had any connection to the Mystery Men. Well, he super bizarre. He is the leader of the Mystery yeah, Men. Yeah, this movie yeah. is apparently essentially a flaming carrot movie. Without so, flaming carrot in it, yeah, it's very weird it's and super strange. There's one, there's crossover comics where like he and Raphael have like a thing. Yeah, <laughs> so Wait, weird. Like a thing? No, that would have been great though. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Yeah, now I have some new fan fiction to write. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> coming uh, to ship Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a Patreon level. You pay five dollars. I was gonna say we won't show it. To. <laughs> but yeah, did you what? What did you think it was rewatchable, Rob? Yeah, I did. I mean, I thought it was lots of fun. I think it does, like, it does, the thing that it's parodying is sort of a thing that is no longer here. Like, I think superhero movies have a whole other host of problems that could be uh, parodied by a bunch of comedians and sorts. But I think that the movie has enough, like, character in it. Like, all of the characters feel very real. They all have backstory, like... They're, they all make me feel something for. I mean, just William H Macy makes me feel something for him. <laughs> also, Janine Garofalo. Yeah. I think she's you know her part's really good too. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, yeah. So I think uh, I think it's very rewatchable. No, it's not very rewatchable, <laughs> but it's rewatchable. Like you can okay. watch it again. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think I think there's a lot in it, and it's uh, Roger Ebert said it was like so chaotic, and and comedies have to be so precise, and this was too messy to be funny. But I disagree. I thought all like the oh, yeah. it was very like improv-y, like the improv comedies we have now, where it's all kind of messy. And mm-hmm. I I really well, liked that. Well, and, I think you have to look at it more as a comedy and less as a superhero movie. Definitely, hundred percent. Like, the the sort of agree the arguments that they're having and like yeah. the way that they play jokes for too long. Well, and everyone's like everyone's fifteen minutes of fame as a superhero is embarrassing in this movie. You know, like yeah. the yeah, the the in, like the invisible guy. I was like, how are you going to do that when I first watched this movie? And then he actually. Turned turns invisible when no one's watching him and he walks, walks through the ray and it's great. So I think like there's a lot of payoffs in this movie uh, that are great and funny payoffs. Uh, so I'm going to say it's 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 rewatchable. Uh, wow. What about you, Tom? Yeah, I, I definitely say it is. I was worried it really wouldn't be. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that the biggest issue for me aside from like the, the obvious like weird 90s blips is it it's really just too fucking long. They, they yeah. have this – you. My argument would basically be if you just cut the Sphinx entirely, cut the whole training montage, cut all that shit, mm-hmm. film comes down quite a bit. Except the Tom Waits. No, Tom Waits is still there. Tom Waits <laughs> is definitely still there. But like the training Maybe montage stuff Maybe more Tom Waits. Is, it's that they, they basically like they go to Casanova's house three times. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of insane. And like structurally watching it now, you're just like, wow, you guys are really There's taking a lot of double time. Beats. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I thought it was very rewatchable. Again, it's weird how, how funny it is in light of current overly dark, overly serious films. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I still, again, the quirk of the characters is really fun. There's a lot of messy bits that aren't good, but for moments like the whole Captain Amazing arc is like just fucking great. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's And it's also just fun going like, holy shit, like I didn't realize CeeLo Green was in it. Um, oh, yeah. There's yeah. just a bunch of weird shit where you're but like... he's a piece of shit. He is. <laughs> but it, it, I, I was con- consistently shocked by random, well, like Michael Bay, like there's just these random people in the film and you're like... Probably a piece of shit. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah. No, I definitely say it's rewatchable. Yeah, yeah, there there are some things when like you you dive into a movie, it, it makes the movie better. Uh, and the comic diving into the comic books, I was like, this movie somehow escaped doing that, and I'm so proud of it for doing that. <laughs> yeah, like it came from such humble beginnings yeah. to get to like the mid tier. I feel like that's a success for it. I think that one thing that this movie is great for is it has a sort of like class of like 1999 sort of vibe to it. Like, yeah. you know, these are all movie actors that 
are sort of enjoyable and affable and like they've been better in other things and they're more mm-hmm. enjoyable and better movies but it's nice to see them all sort of here and they're saying funny shit and you know I, I, I love when Janine Garofalo at the end says okay now I'm going back to graduate school yeah. that was the agreement <laughs> yeah. yeah like that is like you know it's like humanizing and, and also and all the dialogue is very character based which is nice like you yeah. couldn't take any dialogue from any other character and put it in any other character's mouth that's, and that's true it's very nice yeah because so many movies are like that now so yeah so that's rewatchability for this week follow us on Facebook like us on Twitter or reverse that <laughs> Subscribe on iTunes, and don't forget to rate us there. That really helps. Don't forget about our screening of The Cable Guy on August 29th at 7 o'clock at the Royal in Toronto, if you happen to be in the city. What else? Oh, and check out everything that Tom yeah, does. Yeah, uh, so you can get me uh, at McGeeTD on Twitter uh, if you're into uh, theater in bars. August 4th and 5th, uh, I have a sold-out Fringe show that's coming back for two days only about a guy who... Uh, dies and realizes his soul is going to be judged by ancient Egyptian gods, except they're also going to weigh his browser history against a feather to see if he's good enough to travel into the afterlife. So oh, that's yeah. funny. You can check that out. It's called Featherweight. Uh, and it's that's, at the Paddock Tavern. And that's directed uh, by you? Written and directed by me. Yeah. Directed by yeah. McGee. You can see yeah, McGee. Directed McGee by McGee. in yeah. action. Yeah. Guys, so many explosions. It's, <laughs> it's great. Uh, I saw it. It was great. Oh, thanks, man. I really enjoyed it. I, I endorse it. More than I endorse most movies that we talk about. Damn. <laughs> uh, you can also find... Uh, this my... is, it was better than Weekend at Birdies. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Man, I'm putting that on the poster. I run a Dungeons & Dragons podcast with comedians called Dum Dums & Dragons, which you can find uh, on your uh, listening device of choice where you get people who've never played D&D before to come on and play, and it's always a wacky, fun adventure. So, Have you uh, played D&D, Rob? No, yeah. I play riffs. <laughs> Legit. All right. All right. I have no uh, idea what that is. But yeah. So uh, yeah. if you want to join us on our crazy adventure, we just started season three. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So uh, check out Dum Dums and Dragons. So. Yeah. And until next time, use your powers for mediocrity. You came to the right place, baby. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.